is a presentation of the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Big 12 era has begun, and BYU Cougars football is on the air. Martin finds space to the right. Martin's got a first down and more! The 10, the 5, the touchdown! Shaking off tacklers and taking it in for 6. We're two hours away from kickoff, and it's time to get you ready for the matchup with Cougar Pregame Live. Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Cougar Pregame Live is also brought to you by Tucano's Brazilian Grill. Phenomenal flavors, a festive setting, and more fun than you can shake a skewer at. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, to get you ready for today's game, alongside Hans Olsen, here's your host, Jason Shepard. Good afternoon, BYU fans. Welcome into Mountain America Credit Union Cougar Pregame Live. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Today, the BYU Cougars renew an old conference matchup as they head to Fort Worth to tangle with the TCU Horn Frogs, a team they haven't faced since 2011. My name is Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for joining us for BYU football on this gorgeous Saturday. Joining me from Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas. Former Cougar, you know him, you love him. He is Hans Olsen. Hello, my friend. How are you? How you doing, Chip? I'm doing great. Any uh, planes, trains, and automobiles uh, incidents we need to update anybody on in your uh, travels to Fort Worth? Uh, nothing in particular this time. We actually <laughs> made it safe, and we made it in time. We actually miss you, though. Uh, it was nice to have your energy in the booth last time we were on the road, so we do miss you out here. But we made it safe. I didn't take any unnecessary trips anywhere around Lawrence. Um, and Greg Rubel, who is the ultimate driver, he took us right from the hotel straight here. Uh, no bumps, no bruises. So it's all good. And let me tell you, Shep, this is one of the most beautiful days I've ever seen for a football game. It is the perfect temperature. It's just a touch of a breeze. You got the sun out. There's not a cloud in the sky. Too bad that the solar eclipse wasn't out here so that everybody could have seen it. I guess the clouds were covering it a little bit in some areas in Utah, but it's just the most perfect sky that you could ever imagine. And this is the most beautiful setting for a football game. I wish people could see it. You could go check it out. I just uh, sent out an Instagram video of the stadium, and Greg Rebell has been posting photos. So go take a look at the day. Go take a look at this stadium because it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I uh, I was there with women's soccer a couple of years ago, and it was while the um, the stadium was under renovation. So I have not seen it done. But in terms of just the campus, I was really impressed with just how beautiful the TCU campus is. And I've seen your picture. I've seen Greg's picture. It looks like it's going to be an unbelievable day. And, and quite frankly, Hans, you know, we, we've needed our BYU fix for a while. It's good that the Cougars were able to have the bye week. But for, for us that, uh, that want to watch BYU football all the time, it, we, we miss not having it last week. The Cougars come in at 4-1. and one, And I, I'm, I know we've had these conversations before, Hans, but even before the season began, the stretch of games beginning with today at TCU was always going to be an, a very important one for BYU. When you look at the next three to four weeks, this is really going to tell us what type of season this will be for BYU. Yeah, it's a perfect barometer. And I think it's a perfect game to come back from a bye week with. 
a little extra time to prepare for TCU, which you need because you're preparing for a quarterback that you've seen him throw 22 times. You don't have a lot of intel on him. Plus, Shep, BYU really needed to take a little break, get back from some injuries. We'll have Greg Rubel's injury report coming up here, I'm sure, in a little bit. But I'm sure that this gave a lot of these BYU football players time to heal some of the bumps and bruises through the first five games of the season. I can remember getting to that bye week, and you're excited to get to the bye week. You, you really are. You're excited to get there, and then you're there, and you're like, oh, man, now i got to spend more time with classes. It's always a time to catch up with your grades and catch up with anything that you've missed. You, you always think, oh, man, maybe I'll get to see a little bit of family, but you don't because you just see the inside of a training room, and then you see the inside of the practice facility. When you're a sophomore or freshman, it just means that you're going to be out there scrimmaging more. You actually practice harder. People think that the bye week is just a bye week where these coaches say, all right, we'll see you in a week, and they go hang <laughs> Vacation out Vacation time. Man, these guys get on airplanes. They fly all over. They do their recruiting. They're in people's houses. They're at games. They're, they're busy as heck. The bye week is hectic. It's hard. But it really is the time for these players to get on a trainer's table, get a little stim and ice in that joint or in that bone that's just aching and you can't get it fixed. And the hope is, Shep, that we see players back on this field. And, again, Greg Rebell give us the injury report, but it was told earlier in the week, I believe Coach Hill was the first to say it, that Ben Bywater won't be on the field today, and that is a real bummer for BYU. Um, he, they will absolutely miss him today, and we all kind of keep our fingers crossed and, and hope the best for him. Yeah, no question about it. On the other side of the ball, though, the BYU offense getting a couple of guys back. Offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick said that both Keanu Hill Parker Kingston are good to go, so that will be a nice boost for the offense going up a, a, against a pretty physical TCU defense. And, and let's focus on the Horn Frogs right now. They, they come into this matchup having lost two in a row. They lost at home to West Virginia, and then last week at Iowa State. And I don't know about you, Hans, but TCU has been a very hard team for me to gauge this year because we came in with a certain set of expectations, and then that's kind of been flipped on its head. It's been flipped on its head with back-to-back losses to West Virginia and Iowa State. And, you know, the film shows that they've got some areas of concern. Just like BYU's got areas of concern, but... TCU's definitely got areas of concern. And then going into this Iowa State game, they still had Chandler Morris, their starting quarterback, and about 11 minutes left in the third quarter, he goes down with what looked like a lower leg injury, and that was a big problem for them. But you know what's interesting? I've thought about this, and we'll get into depth with the backup quarterback. As you mentioned, a young guy named Josh Hoover. Um, We'll get into some of the details of him, but what I worry about a little bit with this, Shep, it feels like some of the TCU offense coming to this point, especially in those losses where they put up 21 points and 14 points against West Virginia and Iowa State, they have an incredible running back, and it feels like some of the emphasis was taken off that running back. So it worries me a little bit that you put in a backup quarterback and now you put more on Imani Bailey. Who is fantastic. Well, I'll just say this. He's the best running back BYU will see this year. And I can almost say that knowing what they'll have in in any type of postseason play. Well, and and just to to, sorry to interrupt you, but to to sort of further your point, 
Imani Bailey ranks second in the Big 12 in rushing yards and fourth nationally with 690 yards on the ground. And he would be first in the Big 12 if they just handed him the ball because yeah. he's that capable. So what worries me a little bit today, Shep, is when you go to your backup quarterback, it places more emphasis on your running back and your run game. So BYU better get ready for a real heavy front and a big push and a heavy dose of Imani Bailey today. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll uh, we'll talk all things Horn Frogs with TCU play-by-play man Brian Estridge. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. It's a gorgeous October day in Provo, Utah, and a gorgeous October day in Fort Worth, Texas, and that is the site of today's BYU-TCU football game at Amon G. Carter Stadium. Welcome back in to Cougar Pregame Live. I'm here in Provo. Hans is in Fort Worth, and joining Hans in the booth is the voice of the TCU Horn Frogs, Brian Estridge. Brian, thanks for taking a few minutes. Always good to talk to you. Fella, it's a, it is a, my pleasure. We had hands over for breakfast this morning. It's the first time that my wife had ever made an eight-egg omelet. Uh, but I think he's satisfied and he's ready to go. Well, so didn't you ready. say that he was by, eating by something request. else like before we yeah, even right. started this Yo, segment? He's loading up, yeah. I think he's carb loading. He must be running tomorrow. I'm not sure. <laughs> Got a race? Uh, are, you, be, are you getting in a marathon? Have a 10K hands? tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's something tomorrow. I'm not sure. <laughs> He's getting after it. Isn't I don't he? know if this carb. Like, this is a combination of carb and protein. Okay, though. good. Balanced. It's a very balanced meal, right? Uh, now. I, I, poor Estridge walks in, Shep, and I'm pressing a hot dog into a hamburger. <laughs> I've got the whole thing kind of pushed together with some Swiss cheese and everything, and he's. He's just dismayed. He's like, How so you already digested the egg omelet, right? And now we're on to a yeah. smashed together hot Looks dog like a animal. food Jenga over here. That's what it looks like. Hey, it, you have done some beautiful things out here since the last time BYU made their way this way. Yeah, it, it has changed a lot since BYU and TCU were in the league together, obviously, in the, in the Mountain West. And, uh, it, you know, the, the upgrades have been terrific. The, the fan base has been supportive. The success obviously helps build all of that. And so, you know, it, it is um, – it's, it's a different place, but, you know, that's what we were all about, right? Uh, it, both BYU, TCU, uh, and, and Utah, we were all striving to get to this level, and, and now it's good to have all of us back in the league again, I think. Brian, let's, uh, let's go with the big story, and it's probably the biggest story for either team, and that is the quarterback position for the Horn Frogs. Chandler Morris is out. Josh Hoover is in as the starting quarterback. Redshirt freshman, it's his first start what do you expect? What do you expect from him today? And what do you expect for the team to put on his shoulders today? Yeah, I don't know that they'll put it on his shoulders. I think you'll see a little bit more of a conservative attack as far as the offense is concerned. I think you'll see them focus on Amani Bailey in the running game. I think you'll see the tight ends be involved pretty heavily here in this one. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to ask Josh Hoover to throw it downfield 40 times. You know, I, I just don't think that'll be the case. Uh, he, he's got a, ter- a lot of talent, ton of talent. 
but he's just, you know, you, you've seen him be a little bit shaky in his couple of appearances so far uh, this season. I think, I think in the future this is a guy that they really think can be a, a, a special quarterback. But it's not all about him. As a matter of fact, we asked him this week, uh, what did Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, say to you? And he said, hey, just be you, man. Don't, don't worry about trying to be Joe Montana or Patrick Mahomes or, or even, you know, Chandler Morris or Max Duggan. Just be yourself. And uh, we're going to – he said, you know, we're going to find plays that you like. And we're going to put you in situations where you can be successful. And I, I think that's what it's going to be about. I, I think this team needs to start quickly. I think they need to do some things to build his confidence. Uh, and, and, and in turn, that will build the confidence of a team that's kind of broken right now. So, Brian, we've obviously seen and heard a lot when uh, as BYU came into the Big 12 and coming back and playing TCU. It's been interesting just getting the feel for the fan base and how excited they are to have this game back. I'm curious on the TCU side of things, how are the fans and coaches and I guess the school kind of responding to having BYU in the conference and having this game back? You know, it's, it's interesting. Those who know, know. Uh, but the problem is, you, you know, what, what are we now, 12 years removed, something like that, 12, 12 13 years removed? There's so many folks that have become T-shirt fans of TCU. All they know is the Big 12. Uh, and, you know, you've got, you got a fan base that has quickly forgotten what it took to get to the Big 12. So, But I think those who know, who know the history and know the rivalry and know what took place in the Mountain West, uh, they know what kind of games we're in for when, when TCU and BYU play. I personally am super excited about it. I, I love going to Provo. I love you, you know, seeing you guys. And I think the games have been outstanding, you know, even the last one at AT&T. It's always good football. Uh, yeah, it's good football. And so, um, and, and I know it's important for BYU to be able to recruit in Texas some, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. I think that's what you want the league, the, you know, I, I, I've never been one that says, "Oh, you got to build a fence around Texas." Listen, there's 351 or whatever Division One players came out of Texas last year. There's enough to go around, uh, and so if BYU gets them, I'd rather BYU get them than you know somebody from the Big Ten come in and get them. So, I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the rivalry returning. Brian, as is usually the case when a a team struggles a little bit it's usually not just one thing it's a combination of things but when you look at where this TCU team is we mentioned they've come in uh, to today having lost two in a row it's not the season that a lot of people had anticipated to this point what do you pinpoint as some of the reasons why Boy, I tell you, how long is the pregame show? Because uh, the, there, there's several items you can get to. I mean, one is their red zone offense has really struggled, and that started from the very beginning. You know, you had a couple of picks in the Colorado game that you'd love to get back, uh, and I think that has been a real um, an issue. They've moved the ball well between the 30s. I mean, they, you know, what are they, top five in the country in first downs, top two in the country, or th- two or three as far as rushing first downs is concerned. They've been able to run the football, but I think consistency on offense has been a, a little bit of an issue, especially once they get in the red zone. I think defensively, you know, one of the things that uh, Hans and I were talking about earlier is the cornerback play. We thought that the defensive back end, uh, the, the five in the backfield for, for TC on the defensive side would really be a strength of this group, and that has not happened. They've been, had some safeties play soft and at a corner, you know, opposite of Josh Newton that you're still trying to figure out, I think. Uh, and to me, the most glaring thing has been special teams. So, and, and what has been traditionally a strength of TCUs and Mark Tomberdahl, the special teams core coordinator I think is one of the best in the business he was here years ago when Dennis Franchoni was a coach at TCU and he's come back and you know generally those guys are really really good but they've made too many mistakes on special teams and haven't made big plays either you know it it, it all comes down to making plays and it's contagious turnovers are contagious and that and that comes with giving or getting 
you know, and TCU's been giving away too many turnovers and not getting any. Uh, and somehow you've got to flip that narrative. And uh, I, I think they view it today as an opportunity to do that. I think you're going to see TCU play their best game of the year, whether it's good enough to beat BYU. I don't know. That, let's just get into that a little bit more because you talked about the red zone. And they've been in that red zone now 24 times. You've mentioned it, 12 touchdowns. They've had eight empty possessions in yeah. the red zone. I know that they're also down there. They're minus three right now in the turnover margin. Right. Is, is that what's happening? Are you, you seeing a lot of turnovers, fumbles? What is it, interceptions? Turnovers, mistakes, penalties, fourth and ones. You know, they had a perfect play call last week on a fourth and one against Iowa State at midfield, and he had a back go the wrong way. You know, I mean, and if if he goes the right way, and they they ended up colliding at the mesh. If they don't do that, he scores. You know, I mean, it's, so it's just been a situation like that. It's been little things that, I, and and I wonder, guys, and I'm not I'm not here to make excuses, but I wonder if the burden of last year has been so much that this team is pressed a little. You know that you had the, they had the run last year, you had the success, but then you had the game against Georgia where people started questioning you all of a sudden. Uh, and, and then, okay, you get all these new faces that come in. You lose some leadership in Quentin Johnson and, and Max Duggan and Kendra Miller, who are now in the NFL. And, and, and all of a sudden, as a team, you start to say, oh, okay, well, we got to do this. we got to be better. And I got to – instead of doing your 111th, you know, you try to do more than you're capable of. And with that comes pressing and with that comes mistakes, where if you just step back and you just did your job, DYJ, right? Mm-hmm. If you just DYJ, you're, you're fine. And I think that's where TCU is right now. All right, Brian, what do you think this comes down to? I'm not going to ask you for who wins. I don't like to do that. But what, what's the area, maybe the position that you think this game is going to hinge on? Well, that's a great question. I, I think, to me, it's going to be who controls the offensive line, who controls that. And, you know, that sounds like a cop-out, but, I mean, TCU's got to run the football today. All right, you got, you got a new quarterback. Amadi Bailey has to have success, and you've got to do that with success in the red zone. And TCU's got to keep BYU doing what BYU's been doing, and that's not having success run the football, running the football. Because some teams have run it against TCU this year. and I, I think they like their chances if all of a sudden BYU doesn't crank up a, a run game that we haven't seen. Uh, and, and I think if TCU can continue to be consistent in the run game, not turn it over, not make mistakes, uh, and, and we, hey, listen, we're going to be in for a heck of a ball game. Just don't, don't, don't think that this is going to be some you Oh, this going to be a great this, it, It's going to be a well, really I've got the good, chills now. Yeah, and, and I think there will be points on the board, too. Yeah. I think these two teams will score. I mean, I, I, I think you're looking at a 38-35 game, something like that. Man, he gives me the chills just to think about it. And, and Brian, you know me better than most. You, you've hired me to call bowl games six right. years ago. And yeah, biggest mistake. No, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, you meant, you, you meant <laughs> biggest yeah, best. Yeah, best. Yeah, best. Decision. That's it. Yeah, best decision. That's it. Yeah. And you you mentioned your offensive line, and you know the way the way I do it, I don't work off stats. I don't really work off numbers. I I go and I, I just do it watch visually. It. I watch games, right. and I watched uh, John Lands against uh, SMU. Yeah. I watched him against Houston, and then I was watching him this morning. Uh, I think it was a uh, it was Iowa State. Yeah. That kid is as good a center. Isn't that crazy? I love that dude. He's nasty. He is a fighter. Yes, he'll bite your fingers yeah. off. Yeah, and of the and, and of the five offensive linemen, he's got the least athletic ability of any of them. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, the other guys are athletes. The other guys can dunk a ball. They get, you know, this guy's. I mean, he's just. A, you and I've talked about this before. John Lands also is just country strong. 
You know what that is, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, he, he got Bucking small, the hay yeah, yeah, Exactly. That's Moving ex- the pipe strong. That's exactly what he is, uh. man. And he is a blue-collar, nasty, you know, it, 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 whatever it takes on the field, he's going to get it done, and he's not going to come out. And you're right. I mean, he is tougher than nails. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the mindset that TCU has to develop as a group up there. If they can adopt John Lanz's, uh his mindset and, and his demeanor, I think that they could be really good up front. They haven't done that yet. He's a great center. I like that Andrew Coker, too. Coker's an NFL player, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really good out on the outside. So Plus, he's like you. He's fluent in a couple of languages. Yeah, well, I've only three. Yeah, right. Yeah, only three. <laughs> three. But, but Portuguese is a given. It is. So yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's an easy one. Only because it's so close to Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it really easy. Yes. <laughs> so, so, Shep, let me tell you this, man. Okay. This TCU offensive line, they've got some real dudes. Yeah. And if it comes down offensive line play, like like uh, Brian was just talking about, this is going to be a game. Yeah, I, I think this, this is one that I think everybody circled as one to pay attention to, not just because it's renewing, you know, some old acquaintances between these two programs, but this is going to be a fun one. These games have always been fun. And, Brian, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. The insight was fantastic. And have a great call today. Sounds great. i got to run down to the buffet for uh, hands one more time. I'll be back. Load uh, up another plate. Give, give me some, go. Of enchil- some of those enchiladas. If you, you, know, you know his philosophy. If it's free, go for three. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. It's free, it's for me. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> see you guys. That's the voice of the TCU Horn Frogs, Brian Estridge. Coming up next, we talked about this in the previous segment. Hans is going to break down what he's seen, obviously limited reps, but what he's seen from redshirt freshman quarterback Josh Hoover and what the BYU defense can expect in X's and Olsen. You're listening to the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Before we take a deep dive into TCU quarterback Josh Hoover, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. This is BYU football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU football on BYU Radio. All right, Cougar Pregame Live is brought to you by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Jason Shepard here in Provo. Hans Olsen joining me from Fort Worth at Amon G. Carter Stadium. And Hans, really the big storyline of today focuses on the redshirt freshman quarterback for the Horn Frogs making his first ever collegiate start. How is the BYU defense going to make things difficult for him. I know that, that you've been able to see you know, his reps, again, limited reps when he came in in the uh, second half of the Iowa State game for the injured Chandler Morris. What, mm-hmm. what should the Cougar defense be ready for based off of what you've seen? Well, there's only 22 passes to see from Josh Hoover this year. He had three attempts against Nickel State, and then he had 19 attempts last week against Iowa State. So it's definitely limited reps. Out of the 22 attempts, he had 60% completion on that. He hit 13 of 22. But along with that, ship came a couple of interceptions. One against Iowa State that was at a really critical moment in that game. Just running a go route, he underthrew the go route. He actually threw it into top bracket coverage, which was a really bad decision to throw that in the first place, but then he underthrew it as well. So it was kind of a double whammy. The other thing to look at Josh Hoover, right now on this TCU team, 
your quarterback, your injured quarterback, is your second leading rusher. Without Chandler Morris on the field, you now lose your second leading rusher. Chandler Morris was everywhere. Josh Hoover does not run. In fact, he's minus 22 right now on the year in any type of rushing yards. He just doesn't keep the ball. He doesn't get off the edge. He doesn't try to move out of the pocket nearly as much as Chandler Morris tried to move out of the pocket. So that really leads you to a couple of things. It could do what I said in the first segment, which is put the emphasis on Imani Bailey, or it could allow the defense and by the way, I painted that as a positive because Imani Bailey is your best player. Or it could take that rushing quarterback presence away from the defense, really having to pay attention to it, and then they can emphasize and focus on stopping Imani Bailey and really start to key on him. So that could be a good thing as well. It could be a bad thing because Imani Bailey is going to get more carries. It could be a good thing because as a defensive coordinator – I know Imani Bailey is going to get more carries, so I know what I need to prepare for because you know that Josh Hoover isn't going to try to get off the edge. He's not going to keep as often. You still have to keep an eye on him because he's athletic, Shep. I'm not saying he's not athletic. I'm not saying that he's got center block boots. He's athletic, but he just doesn't like to keep. He doesn't like to get off the edge like Chandler Morris liked to do. See, for me, this I think this boils down. Everybody at this level, if you're a starting quarterback, you're going to have talent. Even if you're making your first start, you're there for a reason. You have a certain set of skills, not to go taken from with Liam Neeson on you, but you have a certain set of skills that have put you in this place. But as a young guy who has not had a ton of action on the field. I think it's all about trying to force him into mistakes. What do you think the BYU defense can do to force him into mistakes? And you've already mentioned he's already shown that maybe in making some of the reads, he hasn't, he hasn't done that great and already has an interception in, in that Iowa State game. What can the BYU defense do to confuse him? Well, that's a tough one because – TCU has so many different wide receivers, and they all have a unique skill set. They're all so individually different. J.P. Richardson, Savian Williams, Blake Nowell, JoJo Earl, um, Jack Betch, uh, Jalen Robinson, Major Everhart. Like, these guys all have, you know, 180 or 220. They're all above 100 yards in receptions, and so – I would say you could do, you know, a specific thing, but the problem is there's just so much different unique talent on the field and they're all capable. So that makes it really tough. You know, I'd like to say you just press on each one of these yeah. guys and then you can just bring the heat. You can keep six that are rolling downhill trying to get to the quarterback and I would love to say you could get in and pressure Josh Hoover and throw all kinds of blitzes at him and but I worry about that a little bit because his completion percentage isn't terrible. His arm is not terrible. Mm-hmm. In fact, what the video, what the tape shows, he's actually a better over-the-top thrower than Morris. Morris just doesn't go deep. Morris likes to throw a lot of different five-yard outs, five-yard ins. He likes to throw digs. He likes to throw out to the flats. Josh Hoover is more capable 
of hitting over the top. Now, I did mention the interception against Iowa State on a goal that he underthrew, but he'll get better. I, I, I know that he can make that go throw, and so you have to really protect against that. I would, I would definitely pressure him. I'd bring some heat, but I'm really careful with how many receivers they put on the field and how athletic they are. I'm, I might just try to disguise coverages. I might bring six down and have them all at the line looking at like they're going to dog out on a blitz because, hey, man, we're going to get after that Josh Hoover and then have them all bell out into a zone or, or some type of cloud coverage and see if you can't throw some ghosts his way. I, I know that um, football fans have heard that in the past. I was seeing ghosts out there from these young quarterbacks, and, and what that means is when you throw that zone coverage and you've got three guys rushing or you've got four guys rushing and you've got eight guys or you've got seven guys back and they're all moving into a zone pattern, and as a quarterback you're sitting behind your offensive line and you think that you can throw it into an area but there's so many bodies moving in different places. That's what they call it. It, it looks like they're, they have ghosts out there. There's ghosts on the field. And that's what I'm saying. BYU might have to do that a little bit. But I say mix it up. I, I, I typically, with a young quarterback, I say get after him. Yeah. Blitz him. Yep. Bring all the heat. Just hit him. I, I don't know. Against this team and against Hoover, I'm really crafty with hiding things and probably more hiding into coverage than I am hiding into a blitz. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm, I'm really um, curious to see how the BYU defense handles him today. And speaking of the BYU defense, coming up next, defensive end John Nelson is absolutely loving this new defensive scheme, and he joins me for Shep Talk after this to talk about it on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live. Brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. By week, BYU back in action in the Lone Star State in Fort Worth, taking on the TCU Horn Frogs. Now, John Nelson is part of the BYU defensive front that, along with the rest of the defense, has shown significant improvement from last season. John is this week's subject of Shep Talk and actually started by letting him know that I run into his dad a lot, especially at Chipotle. Apparently, we're both really big fans, and it's fun to chat with his dad about football and, and talk with him. And I asked John what it means to have the support of his family like he does. Uh, it means everything. You know, I, I come from a, a family of football players and uh, basketball players, and, and we take a lot of pride in, in being the best at what we do. And playing at the at the college level, I'm sure my dad runs into a lot of people at Chipotle. It's his favorite place. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it means everything. My uh, my, my cousins played uh, college ball. My, my uncle played uh, quarterback for Wyoming. My grandpa played at Utah State. So it's 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 a big deal for us, and and uh, my little brother's coming to BYU, so you'll see you'll see uh, Big Dave a lot more at Chipotle. You mentioned your your whole family. Correct me if I'm wrong. Your cousins with Lauren Gustin from the women's basketball team, right? Yeah, yeah, she's my she's my first cousin. Yeah, she's she's a baller. She's a beast. It doesn't surprise me the things she's doing on the, on the court because she uh, she gets after it. She works really hard. Well, speaking of working hard, you guys had the bye week, so. I- I don't know how hard you worked during the bye week, but how did what did you do? Did did it come at a good time for you? Yeah, I mean, 
it's better than week 11 like it has been my first two years. But it was good. You know, the coaches did a good job of uh, making sure we were still focused and locked in and uh, getting after in practice. We, we had uh, three practices. Every, it was all it was like a game week. So it was good. Uh, I had a nice weekend. Watched Salem Hill Skyhawks play a little bit. The improvements on defense have been really fun to watch play out this year. What has it been like for you to play in this scheme this season? Uh, it's been great. You know, it's uh, it's four defensive linemen instead of three, so there's a lot less double teams and uh, allows us to get, kind of get after it and uh, kind of play, you know, play aggressively, at least in the line of scrimmage, which which helps out the coverage, which, you know, helps everybody out. So uh, it's been great. It's been a, it's, it's a new thing, but our coaches, uh, each one of our position coaches on defense played in, in a scheme like this, and they're all really well versed in, in the ins and outs of it. So it's good to have, you know, coaches that have, that have done what we're doing you know, with, with this scheme. So it's, it's good. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air. How long did it take to feel comfortable in this game? We, we're still haven't played our best on defense. I'd say we're still, we're still working, working towards it. Um, uh, you know, we got new player, we got transfers and stuff, but you know, weeks, week six, we should, we should be uh, better than the, the first week. So it's, it's a learning process uh, week to week, but uh, I feel a lot, I feel a lot more comfortable than I did week one. TCU has lost two in a row, but I know you guys expect a dogfight in Fort Worth. What's the Horn Frog scouting report on offense? Uh, they're an explosive team. They got they got a really good old line. They got some some big guys. They got explosive playmakers all over the place. So we got to stay disciplined. We got to stay on our toes. We got to we got to play the play the game that we know how to play. And these guys are bringing all they got. So we got to respect everything they do and just play confidently and and uh, trust the guys next to us. You're going to be facing a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start. How does that change your approach, or does it? Uh, you know, it doesn't really change our approach. I mean, at, at least for my position, uh, I, I can't read the coaches' minds. Maybe they're thinking something else. But as far as a player going this week, I'm thinking, you know, if they if they can't or if they're, they're you know a little unsure with their quarterback, they're going to run the ball a lot. So that's that's going to come right at the deep tackles, kind of kind of our our domain. So it's going to be a test for us. The only thing is, uh, I'm expecting him to make every single throw that the, the starter can make. Um, I mean, the O line's not changing, so it's it's just we got to we got to play like we know we can play. All right, let's wrap it up with the final four questions. What is your favorite ice cream flavor, and when was the last time you had it? My favorite ice cream flavor is Oreo. It's yeah, <laughs> it's always been Oreo. It's always going to be Oreo. Nothing's going to change my mind. Uh, the last time I had it was probably like a month ago. <laughs> I've been trying to get back on it. So when you say Oreo, you're talking like cookies and cream. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. You a dog person or a cat person? Oosh. Uh, I'm going to go cats because they're quiet. Oh, you were the first one to say cat. Everybody yeah, else has cat. been dog. Yeah, we got a dog staying with us, and he's he's great. He's the best dog uh, I've, I've been with in a long time. But we had a cat growing up, and it was really quiet. and It was really peaceful. All right, you're only allowed to subscribe to one streaming service. Which one do you choose? Amazon Prime. Any particular reason? Uh, they do Thursday Night Football. All right, I like it. I like the rationale. All right, last one. What does being a part of BYU's first P5 season in the Big 12 mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. Uh, I've been with uh, the independent teams and, and the guys that played there, and I know they, uh, they they took a lot of pride in when we played a Power 5 teams, so the B1 means a lot. It's It still feels like we're kind of the underdogs. I don't think we're picked to win another game the rest of the season, but it's it's great. You know, this is this is a historic season no matter what, and we got to keep our heads on heads screwed on tight. So each week feels feels really important. feels a lot more important than it should. Okay, I was going to end the interview here, but since you brought it up, the, the fact that you guys don't think that you're favored the rest of the way, how much does that bug you? Uh, it bothers me a little bit, not to the point where we're like, you know, harping on it in team meetings or anything, but like, it just keeps us honest. You know, it just makes sure that we're we're focused and uh, it doesn't matter if we're playing TCU or Sam Houston or uh, down the road, we play Texas and Iowa State. It doesn't matter. We're, we we got to prove ourselves each and every week. 
So, it, and it translates to practice. We, we practice really hard. Uh, Coach Kalani's making sure offense and defense practicing uh, hard and making sure we're focused. And uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, Coach, uh, Coach Hill's done a good job of getting us, getting us where we need to be. All right, John, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know when you're going to see your daddy again, but if, if I see him at Chipotle, I'll tell him you said hi. <laughs> I'll probably be at Chipotle too. That's BYU defensive end John Nelson. Coming up next, we'll uh, stroll through today's conference schedule in the Big 12 Blitz. You're tuned into Mountain America Credit Union Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar pregame live brought to you by Mountain America. On the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's Jason Shepard. Mountain America Credit Union is the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Welcome back in to Cougar Pregame Live. Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen with you. Coming up in our next segment, we'll have the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, joining us with some uh, updates and uh, some good updates on some uh, personnel that uh, should be uh, 100% today. So we'll get to that coming up in our next segment. But, Hans, right now it's time for the Big 12 Blitz as we take a look at the conference. There's only one game going on right now, but I will say this. If you were not paying attention on Thursday, let's hope. Now, again, barring that you're the, the, the team that wins, let's hope that all of the games are as exciting as the first Big 12 matchup this week uh, today because the game in Houston on Thursday night was absolutely crazy. If if those of you listening didn't see it, it looked like West Virginia was gonna was gonna get an impressive win, a fifty yard touchdown. Time is almost out until Houston at home goes with the hail mary and it connects for the win. Houston picks up their first Big Twelve uh, victory, and what an unbelievable game! If we see anything like that this weekend with any of the other games, I think we're all in for a treat. It was incredible, man. Nearly. A thousand yards of total offense in that game. There was about 700 yards of passing. There was about 300 yards of rushing. It was all over the place, and it was a back and forth game. And I thought that West Virginia, had, I thought they'd sealed it. Yeah. I thought they'd absolutely sealed it. As you mentioned, three seconds left. I don't know if I've ever seen a crosser that open in my life. I, I cannot believe that somebody could have that much open field in a final snap of a of a game of that style it just was one of those electric moments man i one of those fun games that you never forget well and the only game going on right now in the big 12 is iowa state at, at cincinnati they're in the third quarter 4 minutes to go enhance cyclones are starting to get into a rhythm we know that they beat uh, this TCU team last week in Ames. Right now, they lead at Cincinnati by a score of twenty to ten. Cincinnati still looking for its first uh, Big Twelve game, and this one's not over. They could certainly still get that, but uh, but Iowa State is driving with a ten point lead. They're starting to figure some things out. Well, I was hoping to see Cincinnati do well in that game, just to give us a bit of a of a barometer, so we could see what. Iowa State is all about just having really taken the deep dive into Cincinnati and seeing what BYU did against them. And I know that that's a good team. And to have Iowa State up 20 to 10 with four minutes left in the third or thereabouts, that's a real indicator that Iowa State's for real. And, and I'm telling you, geez, I've studied that Iowa State TCU film to get ready for this game. And Iowa State's got 
everything that you need pretty much across the board. They've got everything that you need. They've got an athletic quarterback that's pretty accurate in Rocco Becht. They've got a running game that's pretty solid. There are two runners. There's Eli Sanders and Cartavius Norton. They're really solid, and they're kind of a one-two. They've got a big-time receiver in Jaden Higgins. Jaden Higgins is one of the top receivers and just a, a total stud. So Iowa State, they got a lot going on. And what was it last year, Shep? Iowa State, I think, was like top five or something in defense. But the offense couldn't do anything. Really have they, they just didn't have the offense yeah. that could do much. And so now Iowa State's added some offense, and that makes you worry a little bit. And they're that coming to Provo a in a couple bit. weeks. Yep. Yep, they're coming to Provo in a couple of weeks, and, and I, I would imagine when they come, they should have wins over TCU. If they finish up the Cincinnati game, they, they they should have that win. They'll probably get Baylor. They play Kansas the week before they come out to BYU, so we'll see what they do against the Jayhawks. But Iowa State looks to be a pretty tough team right now, and they're – they're doing work against Cincinnati. Yes, they are, and they're in. They're on the verge of adding another touchdown or at least a field goal and add to their lead. Uh, besides BYU-TCU, two other conference matchups later today. Number 23, Kansas at Oklahoma State. Again, no Jalen Daniels. Uh, he's not played since uh, Kansas beat BYU, uh, and he's not expected to play today. They're at Oklahoma State, and KU is actually a, a three-point favorite uh, in Stillwater. Uh, that will be an interesting one to watch. And then this will be a really interesting one to watch because it will be BYU's next opponent, and that's Texas Tech hosting K-State. Some good matchups the rest of the day in the conference. Well, the, the Kansas situation is really interesting for BYU fans that are paying attention to it. Obviously, the Big 12 loss that BYU currently stands with. Now, Kansas team's good, man. You sat up in that booth with us and, and Greg and me and Mitch, and, man, we put our eyes on that Kansas team in the second half of that game. They are excellent. They are very good. But what's interesting is you have a quarterback go down and you bring in Jason Bean. And I was watching some of that Central Florida game the other week. And I'm watching that offense, and nothing is really functioning through Bean. Everything is going to Devin Neal, who, yeah, you'll have nightmares with that name. And Daniel Highshot, yeah, you'll have nightmares with that game. Those guys combined for 300 yards on the ground. It was just all Highshaw, all Neil, and it was all rushing push, and Kansas got it done without really having to press Jason Bean. Jason's going to have to be a little bit more of that team. I, I don't know against Oklahoma State. I don't know. But next week, Kansas and Oklahoma, if Kansas wants to stay in the race after that Texas loss, they're going to have to find a way to upset Oklahoma next week. Nice. So, They've got some tough tasks in front of them. Yes, they do. Greg Rubel is going to join us coming up on the other side. We will visit with The Voice. He's spoken with Kalani Satake, and we'll get an update on some guys who may or may not be in the lineup today. This is Mountain America Credit Union Cougar Pregame Live, and it continues next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Jason Shepard and Hans Olsen for more Cougar Pregame Live. Brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. Jason Shepard with you in Provo, Utah. Joining me from Fort Worth, the site of today's BYU-TCU football game at Amon G. Carter Stadium. 
is one Hans Olsen, and now joining us is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Hello, Greg. Hello, Jason. So uh, this is, it's been a while since these two teams have played each other. 2011 was the last time. What do you remember most about BYU versus TCU in football? Well, what I remember most about the 2011 game was Riley Nelson high-fiving the official at the pylon. <laughs> great that, that one stands out. That was great. <laughs> that was the last time these two teams played. Um, uh, you know, before that, I remember, it, now granted, TCU has won the last four in this series, so it does feel a little tilted right now, but uh, BYU kind of had the early hand in it before uh, things got going, and TCU became nationally ranked kind of later in the series. But, um, you know, it, it's 6-5. All time, and it's uh, and it's 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 BYU three and two at home in in, uh, in in true home games and and two and three away in away games. So it's pretty even. This thing has been played over the years. It was in the late '80s when they first got together as as of course non-conference competitors. Then in the late '90s, in the in the days of, of Hans Olsen, it was a whack game, and then it became Mountain West game, and now it gets to be a Big Twelve game. So not, there aren't too many. Te- I mean, there, I'm sure there are some examples, but to be able to play a team in three different conferences. That's what you're looking at right now between BYU and TCU. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. That's wacky. No, it's that bad. No, that's a, First athletic conference, whack. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. That's yeah. so bad. It, it always felt like this TCU team was the upsetter. That's what I remember just going back to those old times, the last few years that they played. It always felt like BYU was on the edge and they were double-digit win seasons and then TCU would get in the way. It just always felt like they were the the thorn in the heel that BYU was always having to look at. And and it always felt like they were athletic, Greg. It always feels like these TCU teams have had a lot of athleticism on the field. And the biggest example of what you were talking about came in 2008. BYU opened the year 6-0, cruising to 6-0. And then they came to Fort Worth, and it it was 15 years minus two days ago today that BYU came down here and lost 32-7. to And it felt like it was over early. Like, the BYU was flying high, ranked 6-0. and Could this be the special season? And TCU just put it on them that day. Bumped them pretty good. And that's what TCU does. And, Shep, I don't know about you, man, but just remembering these games, they were physical. They were close. Other than that one, they always felt like there was some close nature to it. And as Brian Estridge said minutes ago, this one is just staged to be such yeah. a good game, yep. such a fun, exciting, hard-hitting, big-time kind of rivalry-renewing type game. Well, and, and Greg, how close to full strength will BYU be today? I know you've talked with Kalani. You tweeted out a moment ago that looks like Keanu Hill is going to be a, a go and ready Cody to roll Epps. today. Or, excuse Cody me, Epps. Cody Epps. Cody Epps, not to Cody Hill. That would be Keanu and Cody together. Uh, what do we know about the rest of the guys that were sort of up in the air? Yeah, so let's first off, off reiterate the fact that uh, Cody has only played in one game. It was at Arkansas. He got targeted once, and that's it in terms of his productivity this season. No catches and one game played, but today should be the day when Cody Epps gets into the rotation, and it's been a long time in coming, and hopefully he's got a lot of football in his heart that he's ready to play because he's got seven games to squeeze it all in and hopefully an eighth in the postseason. But he's been uh, raring to go, and and today is the day for Cody Epps. That's excellent news. So uh, typical wide receiver rotation, Roberts, Lassiter, Hill, Epps, Kingston, and Marion would be your guys. Um, Offensive line, 
you know, see a little bit. Of, I, I think you're going to see a bit of a shakeup there uh, today, uh, Jason. Don't be surprised if BYU opens up this way, left to right. Kingsley Suamataia, who's the, the the mainstay at left tackle, then Paul Miley, who's been playing center. You could see him at left guard, and Connor Pay, who's been playing guard. Uh, at right guard, you could see him at center. And Waylon Lapuaho, who'd been playing at left guard and then got injured, could be back at right guard. And then uh, Braden Kime could be your right tackle with Caleb Etienne available to play at either guard or tackle on the right side. Simi Mawala and Ian Fitzgerald also available to get in the mix. So you could see a different-looking offensive line today. The biggest news there uh, relative to availability is, of course, Waylon Lapuaho. Lapuaho is back having been injured, and he gets back in. But with his return now comes a bit of a shuffle. Different guys in different places. We'll have Hans talk about that in a second after I give you the last couple personnel notes, uh, Jason. Uh, Aiden Robbins, uh, not with the team, didn't travel. He's getting better, and he's been practicing, just not part of the mix today. So your top three running backs will be Martin Smith Davis with uh, Enoch Navahine uh, being the fourth running back. So that's your offensive look. Defensively, uh, Malik Moore could be back as a starting safety. We haven't seen Malik starting with BYU for quite a while, but uh, it look, it, well, don't be surprised if uh, Moore and Slade are the top two safeties, and uh, Tanner Wall didn't make the trip, so he'd be unavailable for BYU defensively. So that's uh, a couple notes of, of uh, people and places where they might be, where they might play. Now, hands back to you on the offensive line uh, shifting and, and how that might affect BYU, ideally in a positive sense. Yeah, so what they've done is they've taken their three best run blockers, and Paul Miley, Connor Payne, and Waylon Lapalajo. Those are their three highest-graded run blockers. They've moved Connor to that center spot to try to get just a little bit more push. Paul Miley doesn't have the push, but he's got the execution. So you're putting your biggest dude with the biggest grind in the middle, and you've got your two guys in Lapuahu and Miley that are your highest-graded run blockers. And I think you're doing this in an effort to get a run game going. That's an indicator to me of that. And then where you've got the three running backs that you were just talking about, L.J. Martin-Smith and Miles Davis, We'll talk a lot about Davis coming up here in a bit, but it's going to be some really good stuff. There you go, Jason. All right. Appreciate it, guys. We'll let you go and enjoy uh, for the next uh, little bit before you join us again for, for more pregame. Enjoy the uh, the high skies of the Lone Star State. Thanks for the insight, as always, guys. Appreciate it. Sounds great, Chef. Thank you. There we go. Mitchell Jurgens will join me coming up on the other side in mere seconds. So don't go away. This is the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tuned to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The BYU Cougars getting ready to face the TCU Horn Frogs, a team they have not faced since 2011. I'm joined now by our sideline reporter and former BYU receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitchell, back in the old home state. I know it's not Houston, but you're at least back in Texas, right? Hey, I love it. <clears throat> this is uh, Texas is a great place. It's always, I mean, Dallas and Houston, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, it's, it's been amazing being here. I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to coming back so much more often. I mean, this is, you can't beat Texas football. And, and I know Hans was talking about this, but you could not ask for a better day for college football in a mid-afternoon game. Um, I mean, there's not a cloud in the sky. It's breezy. It's not your typical, you know, super hot Texas heat. Uh, this is just, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't drum it up any better than this. Well, let's hope the game um, matches up with what the weather sounds like it's going to be today. 
Um, I, I know a lot of this, Mitch, is going to depend on when the bye week happens. But generally speaking, do you think the bye week came at a good time for the Cougars? You know, I guess we'll find out today <laughs> an answer to that question. But in my opinion, I, I think it really does. Um, I, I mean, you could argue, right, we're, we're not halfway through the season yet. Maybe give the bye a couple more weeks. Um, and then, you know, after maybe six, seven games, then it's maybe a, a little bit more appropriate for a bye. But in my opinion, I think this is perfect because when you look at the next two games um, against, uh, obviously today, TCU, they don't have Chandler Morris, um, and then Texas Tech at home in Provo, these are two very winnable games for BYU, and, and they have a chance to get bowl eligible just through seven games. Now, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but in my opinion, and you know, in talking about two wins coming up, but there is the, I mean, it, it looks very winnable and achievable if BYU can play their cards right. Um, and so to, to have a chance to be through seven games, be bowl eligible, n- nobody would have said this at the beginning of the season. And so they have this week to prep for these next two games. Uh, and then obviously the games after that are going to be more challenging, more difficult as those teams are playing a bit better in the Big 12. Um, but uh, having a time to get healthy, to get right, yeah. to get reset, refocused, I mean, I think this is perfect for what's upcoming. Well, and let, let's let's stay in that space. Hans and I were talking about this at the beginning of the show, but this next stretch of three to four games really is going to answer a lot of questions about this BYU team and and ultimately what type of season this is from a win-loss perspective. Besides today versus TCU, you've got at Texas, home versus an improving Texas Tech team, and even at West Virginia, who, I mean, has, has quite frankly, has probably been the surprise of the conference. Yeah. How, how important is... Big picture, obviously. How important is the next three to four weeks for this team? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's very important, one, because it's going to get more challenging. Um, and, and to kind of rewind a little bit and kind of like a, a recap on the season, right, what we've seen from BYU is great. They're 4-1 and one on the record books, but they haven't been putting up the greatest statistics to, to earn that. And that could cause some concern for, you know, who is this BYU team, right? Offensively, they're averaging 62 rush yards a game. That's 129th, um, 129th out of 130 FBS teams. Hey, you want to get that out in loud. front of that train, by the way? Like, yeah. move away from it, please? <laughs> that's, a loud, that's a loud train. I think that's just the, the sound system here within the stadium. Wow, that, uh, that was loud. I, I kind of had, had to check my back to see if that was coming behind me. Um, <laughs> that was crazy. Um, but, yeah, they're averaging 62 rush yards a game, 129th out of 130 FBS teams, averaging 318 total yards per game, which is last in the Big 12. Um, however, the Cougs are putting up 31 points. They're winning games. Um, some could look at this as kind of a lucky stint, like how is BYU pulling this off? And, and we're asking those same questions. We, I mean, we know the turnover margin has been been beneficial. Um, average field starting or average starting position. That's that's all really good, and that's what's played into it. But with the upcoming um, competition, and, and when you looked at you know ranking defensively, TCU ranks sixth in the Big Twelve in scoring different or scoring defense. Texas is second. West Virginia is third. Oklahoma's first. Iowa State's fifth. These are the upcoming teams, and if BYU or BYU's offense continues to perform the way that they do or they have been, then those are going to be very tough games. And, and if they don't make some changes, then 
could be quite a few losses there. So what you know, what is this stint going to tell us about BYU? Can they make the adjustments? Um, are they, you know, is their foreign record rec- or four and one record for real? Um, I think all that's going to be tested, and we'll find out in the next little bit. But BYU has an opportunity in these next two games to get right and focus for the rest of the season. I asked Hans this question earlier in the show, and I ask you the same thing. How do you expect the BYU defense to scheme against a first-time starting quarterback in Josh Hoover? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think you have to hone in and focus on stopping the run. Yep. Um, you know, stack the box, um, do what you can um, to, to limit um, Imani Bailey because he has been, I mean, he's been spectacular. I think you mentioned it, second in the in the Big 12 and in rushing fourth nationally. I mean, this guy is for real and potentially the best back that BYU is going to face this season. Um, and, and with a new quarterback, they have to go to the run. And so I think that's going to help Jay Hill and, and scheme. We, you know, they're going to do everything, or hopefully they're going to do everything they can to stop that run and make um, Hoover, you know, put him in uncomfortable positions if they are able to stop the run, make him throw the ball, um, because he's he's been jittery. He hasn't been as comfortable, obviously, as Chandler Morris was, um, and for good reason. He's a true freshman. This is his first start. Um, it's it's going to take some time for him to feel comfortable. And so if BYU can, and can expound upon that, force them to go to the air because of how stout they've been with their front seven, I think that is, I mean, it has to be the game plan, in my opinion, to stop this TCU offense because, again, Amani Bailey has been spectacular and he's been one of the reasons for um, the successes that they've had is because of how effective he's been on the ground. Well, and you may have just answered the question right there. What's, in your opinion, what's the matchup you believe is going to determine the outcome today? Yeah, that I mean, I mean that's going to be number one. The, the front seven for BYU is so crucial today on defense um, because if, if, if they can stop the run, if they can be stout um, and then force Hoover to, to rely on his arm, um, again, this that same matchup can BYU continue to bring pressure to to put him in those uncomfortable positions um, I think that's going to be um, a, a really good test but on the flip side of that I think this BYU offense um, I mean it, it, you know we've seen Keaton he, he's had some some great games he's he's pretty lethal with his arm we've got a lot of or BYU has a lot of healthy receivers coming back um, it's probably the most stacked lineup at receiver uh, that BYU's had all season with the return of Cody Epps, Keanu Hill's healthy, Parker Kingston's healthy, um, but these DBs uh, for TCU are for real, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how they're going to respond, um, how they're going to attack that secondary. They're fast, they're athletic, um, and they're really talented, and so uh, BYU receivers are going to have their work cut out for them, and, and hopefully they've got an answer to continue to move the ball, drive it down the field, and come up with some big explosive plays that could be those momentum changers for this game today. Isn't, uh, isn't Garrett Living in your for those that don't know, twin brother Gary isn't isn't he living in Dallas? So that's uh, I was gonna say is he there today? Great, it's a great question. So life a little life change, life update. He was up until about two days ago. Oh, really? Um, he's actually yeah he's he's driving across country right now. Uh, back to Utah. Him and his wife are moving back to Utah and, and their family. Um, they were in the Dallas area, um, so it came at kind of an unfortunate time for this game. They, <laughs> yeah. they definitely would have been here, uh, but they're uh, in the process of moving back across country to the to uh, the, the great state of Utah. Oh, well, I, I, obviously you'll get to see him when you come back, but I thought yep. maybe this was going to be a little bit of a reunion. Any family from Houston come up to see you? 
Uh, not not for this game. Um, I, I believe I'll have a few in a couple weeks when when we head down to Austin. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, love Texas. Uh, amazing football here, and it's going to be a great atmosphere. Mitchell, great stuff as always. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weather. It should be a good one. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jason. All right, that is Mitchell Jurgens. On the other side, my conversation with Sonny Dykes, the TCU head coach. He gives us his thoughts on the Cougars joining the Big 12 and what he hopes to see from his new starting quarterback today. That's next on Mountain America Credit Union Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Tune to Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, back to Jason Shepard. You coming off their bye week in Fort Worth, Texas, facing the TCU Horn Frogs coming your way in about 45 minutes. Earlier this week, I had the privilege of talking with the head coach of the Horn Frogs, Sonny Dykes. Now, on Monday, Kalani Satake spoke glowingly about Coach Dykes and his wife and the friendship that Kalani and his wife have with them. So I asked Sonny what his relationship with Kalani is like. You know, I've uh, gotten to know Kalani uh, fairly well over the last couple of years and um, really think the world of him. He's, um, I think he is a fantastic coach. I think he has a great future ahead of him. Um, he does a tremendous job of, of being true to himself and true to his values. And, you know, I just have a ton of respect for him and, and his family and the way he goes about doing things. You know, we've had a chance to spend some time together. And, you know, like I said, I just, I think the world of him. I, he's got a great personality. He's a funny guy. You know, he's just real. And I think in our profession, sometimes that's, that's hard to do. And he's got a lot of, uh, a lot of confidence to, to be able to do that and just a tremendous person and and really really think the world of him as a person and obviously as a coach i mean he's done a fantastic job with the program at byu and i think they're in good hands for a long time this is an interesting matchup now that both teams are conference opponents again and i realize you weren't at tcu and byu didn't have kalani the last time these two teams were in the same conference i'm just curious your thoughts on byu joining the big 12 I think it's a great move. I mean, BYU is a national brand. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the success the program has had through the years speaks for itself. They've always been incredibly innovative, you know, going back 40 years in, in offenses they ran and a lot of the accomplishments that, that they've had through the years. You know, just have always had a, a tremendous amount of respect for the program. You know, you go all the way back uh, to some of the great coaches they had. You know, Lavelle Edwards was a close friend of, of my dad's and really, really good friends through the years. And so I was always kind of grew up a, a, a BYU fan in some ways just because my dad thought so much of Lavelle. And, you know, I grew up in Texas and Ty Detmer, you know, obviously had the career he had there. And so followed the program for a number of years, was always intrigued with throwing the football and the way they did it way back when. And, and so, you know, I think it's I think it's a great addition to the Big 12. I mean, as I said, it's a, it's a program that's had tremendous success through the years and in is a is a national brand and very very competitive and and uh, it's going to be a uh, a program to contend with in the Big 12. Talking with the head coach of TCU, Sonny Dykes here on Cougar Pregame Live. Coach, let's focus in on your team. How do you think the team has handled the adversity with a few more ups and downs this season than you probably would have wanted at this point? Yeah, it's been a little, you know, I, I guess the categorize the way to categorize it honestly is a little disappointing. You know, we we um we lost a lot of players coming off of, of last year's team. We knew it was going to be hard to replace some of those guys. Uh, we're pretty young in some key spots. But we've had opportunities to, to be able to win games and to finish 
finish games out. You know, week one against Colorado, we had the ball and had a chance to drive down and kick a field goal or score a touchdown to win the game and didn't get it done. Had the same situation come up a couple weeks later against West Virginia and didn't make the plays down the stretch that we needed to in order to win that game and had some bad things happen to us. So we've just been a team that's created a lot of our our own problems. Uh, We had four turnovers last week and a blocked punt um, against Iowa State. That's certainly not playing winning football. So, you know, we have not played to our standard so far this year and uh I think our players have been disappointed, but I think at the same time, you know, we understand it's, it's the beginning of the second half of the season, you know, and, and we've got a chance to, to go out and compete against some really good teams in the Big 12 and try to figure out how to win some games. And so our guys are excited about it and looking forward to the challenge. I was watching the game against Iowa State in real time and obviously felt horrible uh, when you saw Chandler Morris go to the sideline and realized he probably wasn't coming back in that game. Uh, knowing that he is not going to play this week, how much changes with your offense with Josh Hoover uh, taking over quarterback duties? I mean, obviously there's going to be some changes. Josh is as a young quarterback, a redshirt freshman. It's going to be his first college start. And so, you know, you've got to try to do some things to, to make the game easy for him. Uh, he's a really talented young guy. He's got great, the great ability to throw the ball. He's a really smart, hard worker. Uh, has got a lot of great leadership qualities that our players really respond to. Uh, but he hadn't played a whole lot of football. And so I think that's going to be the big you know, the big thing for us is just kind of that unknown. And so we've got to do a good job of trying to make the game easy for him and try to keep it simple and, and uh, let him, you know, let him go out and execute a game plan that he's very comfortable with. The Cougars are coming off a bye week and they're hoping to have some guys back. What's been your impression of the 4-1 and one Cougars as you get ready to face them? Well, I think the good thing about, the, about their team is they've improved every week. I think, you know, you sit down and you look at their tape. You know, they get, they get better every time they go out and play. Uh, as you said, coming off of a bye, so the guys will be rested up and had a little extra time to prepare for us. And, you know, I expect to see a very good football team. They're always built up front. I think that's always been a BYU trademark is to, to be big and physical, you know, both on the offense and defensive front. And these teams are no different than the, than the traditional BYU teams. And, you know, really like the quarterback. I think Slovis is playing well. I think he's got a good group of wide receivers. Um, I think those guys are getting on the same page. And, you know, they're really playing opportunistic defense great in turnovers and, and doing a great job of, of making plays defensively and you know not giving up a lot of big plays. So it's a good football team and, and again, a team that you can tell is starting to play with a lot of confidence. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for taking a few minutes uh, to join me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, appreciate you. All right, that was the head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs, Sonny Dykes. We'll take one final break, come back and update you on some Big 12 scores and scores in the top 25 and then get you ready for the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. We'll be back with more of Cougar Pregame Live brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live brought to you by Mountain America on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to Jason Shepard. All right, before we wrap things up, let's uh, jump back into the Big 12 schedule and update you on Iowa State at Cincinnati. It is all Cyclones, about seven and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Iowa State leading at Cincinnati 30-10, to 10, barring something uh, unforeseen. Cincinnati will go to 0-3 in the conference. Iowa State will move to 3-1 and in the Big 12. Coming up later today, number 23, Kansas at Oklahoma State, and then K-State at Texas Tech. Games going on right now in top 25. Number one, Georgia leading at Vanderbilt, 30-14. Michigan leads Indiana, 38-7. to 
Ohio State is now shutting out uh, Purdue 34-0. Syracuse is trailing at Florida State. Seminoles up 27-3. And Alabama was uh, cruising past Arkansas, but the Razorbacks have made this a game in the fourth quarter. It's 24-21, Alabama leading the Arkansas Razorbacks. All right, coming up next is the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show with Greg Rubel and Kalani Satake. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to hear from the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Satake. This is the Cougar pregame coaches show presented by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar Pregame Coaches Show is also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Grubel. Good afternoon, Cougar football fans. Welcome inside Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas. It's 47,000 seat. And recently refurbished venue today playing host to old rivals meeting as conference combatants in a third different league from WAC to Mountain West. And now to Big 12, it's BYU and TCU in a Saturday matinee with the Cougs looking for back-to-back Big 12 wins and the Horn Frogs seeking to avoid a third straight setback. I'm your play-by-play commentator, Greg Rubel, joined in our broadcast booth by the big man, former BYU and NFL lineman Hans Olsen. And it's been 12 years since these teams last met back in 2011, BYU was in its first year of FBS independence, and TCU was in its final season as a G5 team. Here now, a dozen years later, BYU has earned a power conference invite and rejoins former league foe TCU in the Big 12. It's a full circle moment for this Cougar football program. What's incredible is it's been that long, but it feels like it was just yesterday. But your big songs of 2011, Britney Spears, Till the World Ends, and One Republic, Good Life. That's how long it's been, Greg. It has been a long time since we've seen these two teams play. Back in 2011, as we've mentioned multiple times now, BYU came out one with a loss 38-28. to That gave TCU the series lead 6-5. And here we are after 11-12 year delay with BYU and their opportunity to square this series up. And today, it is a good life to be here in the booth, oh, isn't it? man, it's so good. This weather is perfect. The sky is blue. You've got this cool breeze coming across the field. It couldn't be more perfect. After this break, we'll get the pregame words of BYU head coach Kalani Sitake as the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. My before-the-game chat with the coach coming up next on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's rejoin Jason Shepard. Let's pause for 10 seconds for station identification on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is BYU Radio on KBYU FM HD2 Provo. You're listening to BYU Football on BYU Radio. Coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas for this Saturday afternoon showdown between the 4-1 and BYU Cougars and the 3-3 and TCU Horned Frogs. The Cougs opened 3-0 and before splitting their first two Big 12 conference games, followed by a bye week. TCU lost the opener against Colorado. 
won three straight, then lost two straight and lost starting quarterback. Chandler Morris will not play today as he recovers from a knee injury. Josh Hoover is the man. Time now for my pregame conversation with BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. It's brought to you by Zions Bank. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. And today, Coach Sitake talks about coming off the week off by facing a team that played for the 2022 National Championship. Again, the success that they had last year, a bunch of their guys are still back on their team, on this team, so uh, they're obviously used to success, and, um, you know, they're at home, so it, it's tough to win at home, but it's even tougher to get on the road and win, and so this is a good challenge for us, but I'm looking forward to our guys responding, and we had some extra time with prep to see if it pays off. TCU with the uh, heritage of having taken a backup quarterback mm-hmm. and had him do some great things for them last year. I know you you think that Josh Hoover can come in and, and do the job that uh, Chandler Morris was doing for TCU. Yeah, I mean, I think that they, you know, I think it's really hard to make an adjustment during the game when most of their plays are probably, uh, you know, chosen for, for, for Morris early, uh, last week. And so I think they've had now this week to, to change things up and put it a little bit more in what Hoover's strengths are and uh, you know, we will, so we'll see a much different team, a much different offense. Um, may, maybe not not entirely different, but I think more of the things that that are will play to his skills set and to his his strengths. How would you then compare uh, what Morris does to what Hoover uh, would like to do? I think they're very similar in a lot of ways, but I don't know. Um, there's not a lot of film on Hoover for us to really evaluate, other than uh, he's athletic and then just like all their quarterbacks can run. So. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be difficult. I, I think there's a lot of things that he can do that the same thing that Morris kid does. But uh, overall, I think they get, they have a really special running back. Uh, I think he can really make things happen for him, and, and it's going to be a tough task to keep him kind of you know um, keep him contained a little bit. And so I, I think he's he's a big playmaker, and he he runs with great violence, and you see his pad level, and, and he can break tackles. But he's really fast and quick. So uh, all of that combined with a, a physical line and, and a bunch of receivers that can catch the ball and turn a small play into a big play. Um, that's really difficult, and, and Jay, the boys are ready for it, but we'll see what happens in the game. The running back you're talking about, number nine, Imani Bailey. The list of at five at five nine, but he's packing around two ten. Yeah, well, he's got tons of. I mean, he's. I'm not really worried about his size, as you can see that he plays way bigger than that. That the the height and the weight there, um, but it's his instincts. He has a really good feel for the game. A great vision, so he finds ways to utilize his blocks well. Um, that's going to be the, the key for us to, to be able to handle the run game. How would you characterize a Sonny Dykes offense? Yeah, I think they can hit you in so many different ways, and I, th- I think they can throw the ball, they can run the ball, they have the option to do their RPOs. Uh, they, they keep you on on your toes quite a bit, and you have to be assignment sound. So for us, it'll be a really it'll be important for us to be a disciplined team, but also to, to rely on the fundamentals of our of our defense to tackle well. Um, no leverage the ball, be in the right positions, and then on offense, just us doing our job. One eleventh blocking comes down to blocking, securing the ball, taking care of the football, and and I think if we can do all those things, I, I like I like our chances here. Iowa State beat TCU last week. They don't have a great rush game on the season. Iowa State that is, but they ran the ball really well against TCU, and people have run the ball against TCU the last couple of games. Could this be the week we finally see the results you want to get, or more of them uh, on the in, in the run game? Yeah, I like to think so, but I, I mean. 
it, it, it comes down to us just making plays. I like to see more explosive plays, and and uh, I think we're, we're we're close to turning the corner. I, from what I've seen in practice and, and the, the camaraderie, the connection that the guys have, uh, there's a lot of new guys here, so I think they're feeling a lot more confident and comfortable in the, in the system, and I'm hoping that today will we'll, we'll show. Your old line looks a little different from previous games. Is that part of why you think you might get some things going that way? Yeah, and I think just getting getting guys in the right position where they where we can, you know, basically focus on their strengths and their success and so uh, it's good to get Waylon back it's, mm-hmm. it's good to have competition there we have a uh, you know eight guys that could be rotating in there keeping them fresh and it's all led by the, the guy at the left tackle so uh, if we can play like Kingsley we'll be well we'll be well prepared and if mm-hmm. we can uh, everybody just does their assignment I think we'll be in a good good spot could this be the week we finally see a Cody Epps maybe get some touches yeah, Cody had a great week of practice. He, he's had a great week of practice the last couple of practices, and and uh, today he's he's looking really good, and we're we're confident that he's going to be ready to go 100. percent He's got to be hungry to play by this point. I oh think. yeah, he and he's he's chomping at the bit. I just want him to just do his part. Don't do anything more. Just your 111th, and uh, when he does his 111th, he's special. Still see Harrison Taggart, uh, middle linebacker. Yeah, Harrison will still play middle linebacker, you know, filling in for Ben. Um, but, you know, we're, he's going to rely on a lot of veteran leadership from Max Tooley and from A.J. Vonkwachan. Um And then, you know, we have a, a bunch of guys on the defensive side that have a lot of experience. And so uh, you'll see Malik Moore at safety with Ethan Slate, Crew Wakely, and Rita Domuni, a, big, a good, good mix. Okay. What a beautiful afternoon here in Fort Worth for conference football. Old conference rivalry renewed here with TCU. Yeah, it's great. Great to be back here in Fort Worth and to see the you know, TCU fans and everybody. I mean, the, the stadium looks a little different mm-hmm. and the campus, but uh, overall, beautiful place. And we're excited to play here in Texas and see our fans. Kalani, thank you as always for the preview. Good luck on this one. We'll talk to you postgame. Let's go. Go Cougs. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake, and this has been the Zions Bank Cougar Pregame Coaches Show. Time now for today's Ford Keys to the Game. They're presented by your local Ford stores. BYU football built Ford proud. Hans Olsen has his keys for today's game. Hans, what do you have? Well, let's start out with the uh, run situation. They run a uh, 3-3 stack. It's a 3-3 stack defense with a two-safety, it's actually three safeties, but it's a two-safety hybrid style defense that TCU runs. So when you're running that type of defense, it's critical that your offensive line stays on the same plane. What that defense does to you, when you have three defenders that hit five guys first, it creates dents in that front line. And then they bring the other three that kind of hit the angles of those dents, and they take advantage of the lateral, sorry, the vertical separation instead of the lateral separation. So it's really important today that the BYU offensive line stays on the same play in plane in every pass play. They drop back to the depth of each other because if you create those lateral gaps, that's where this defense, this TCU defense, can get in and really cause problems. Number two, you got to contain and control Imani Bailey. He's on pace to run for 1,400 yards this season. So you're going to have to do your job on defense. Don't get selfish. Don't get out of your lanes. you got to be disciplined. This is the best running back, I believe, that this team is going to see all year long. Better than Devin Neal they saw with Kansas. This guy is better than Devin Neal. He'll break more tackles than Devin, Devin Neal. A little Eight. bit lower to the ground. Six yards of carry for Imani Bailey. Key number three. Number three, BYU wide receivers need to force separation from these TCU DBs. I want to see him use speed. I want to see the aggression to find that room between the defender. Make sure you're giving Keaton a really big open target. 
Greg, we've talked about the importance of these BYU wide receivers getting better in every aspect. They need to get better in just alignment, just line up right. We don't want any of those penalties. Number two, you got to get better in blocking. But the big one today is finding the separation with these DBs. And I think it's very possible. In fact, there's multiple teams this year that's already shown it's possible. Hit your defender, get that separation, make sure you're breaking into your cuts with timing so Keaton has a big open area to throw to. Those are the three keys coming up next. The Cougar kickoff show live from the Lone Star State on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. We're getting closer to kickoff of BYU football. You're tuned to the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show. Ken Garf, we hear you. The Cougar kickoff show is also brought to you by Bailey's. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also brought to you by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon once again, Cougar Nation. We welcome you back inside Amon G. Carter Stadium on the TCU campus in Fort Worth, Texas, as this afternoon the BYU Cougars play for their first ever Big 12 road win. The first win over a Big 12 veteran it would be as well. The Cougs are now 1-1 one one in the league, having defeated fellow conference newcomer Cincinnati. So far, until at least Thursday, no one had beaten, none of the new teams had beaten one of the old teams, but Houston on that Hail Mary beat uh, West Virginia. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show, presented by Ken Garf. Whatever your vehicle needs are, go to KenGarf.com. Ken Garf, we hear you. Greg Rubel, Hans Olsen, coming to you from our All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens is on the sidelines and in the Zions Bank end zone. For 150 years of helping you succeed, Zions Bank is for you. Our scoreboard host is Jason Shepard. Booth engineers Ben and Lily Warner. Our spotter, Matt Jarvis, coordinating producer, Terry South, control board operators, Seth Larson, James Finlayson, and Derek Dungan, and today's stats interns, John Livingstone and Jerem Hartzell. You are tuned in on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Well, Hans, there's an old saying in sports. It is this. You are what your record says you are, and BYU is a 4-1 football team. No, BYU's not getting any top 25 votes, and yes, BYU has some disappointing offensive numbers, in particular on the ground and on third downs, but the bottom line is echoed by longtime Raiders owner Al Davis. Just win, baby. And BYU's found a way to win four football games in five tries. That's all you got to do is just keep winning, and it would be nice if some of the opponents that they've played against started getting some wins. Right now, Arkansas is down by three to Alabama, and they just lost that game. So Arkansas now goes to two and five you know you go to kansas kansas was a really good team that's byu's only loss they ended up getting beat pretty bad by texas the next week you got cincinnati that was a good win byu gets a win against cincinnati and cincinnati goes out today and as you've mentioned to me greg it was not a good outcome for cincinnati so byu just needs to keep winning eventually they're going to take a team that's got big marks and they're going to get that top 25 recognition if they just keep doing what you mentioned, Al Davis talked about, just win. Let's take a look now at the E-Assist player to watch for BYU. It's brought to you by the E-Assist Dental Health Education Foundation, reminding you that dental cleanings are essential for your health. Hands, who's your BYU player to watch this afternoon? Well, let's just talk out of the box a little bit. I, I like to think of these players and different angles and, and what could potentially happen. We're talking about BYU needing to get the run game going. That 
They've got to find a way to run this football and do it more sustainably. My player to watch today is Miles Davis. I know that that is way outside the box, but I expect Miles to get a few more carries. He had a couple of carries against Cincinnati. He was able to get the corner, hit some speed there. Now, you're going to be handing it to L.J. Martin, and I understand you're going to be giving it to Deion Smith, but I'd like to see Miles Davis get six, maybe eight carries today. If it shows that he's got a little bit more explosion, a little bit more speed, if it shows that those corners are vulnerable, then give it to Miles Davis. He's just a guy to keep your eye on in today's game. We'll have more of the Ken Garf Cougar kickoff show after this short timeout, but first a reminder to go to BigOtires.com. And make an appointment at one of 50 locally owned and operated Utah locations. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Pre-game coverage from Fort Worth, Texas continues after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel got BYU and TCU coming up at the bottom of the hour here at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. 12 all-time meeting between these two programs. The Horned Frogs lead the series six games to five. Six games to five. Uh, backup quarterback Josh Hoover getting his first start for the Horned Frogs. He goes up against Keaton Slovis for BYU. Gets his 43rd collegiate start. Before the break, hands we discussed how BYU's overcome some subpar stats on the way to a 4-1 record. Let's take a little deeper into what's working. TCU head coach Sonny Dyke simply calls it winning football. And that's what BYU has been playing. Let's begin with the most important stat of all, points. BYU ranks 61 spots better in scoring offense than it does in total offense. The Cougars are scoring 31 points a game, but on an average of only 318 yards of offense. That number is bottom 15 nationally, but the points number is top 60. As a result, BYU ranks fourth nationally in yards per point. Only three teams require fewer yards to score as many points as BYU's doing. Basically, you're saying BYU's doing more with less. Okay, so let's take a look at a couple of really important factors of this. They are a red zone juggernaut. They have been all year. They've only got one empty possession. Just to break it down for everybody out there, they've been in the red zone 17 times this year. 17 times. Inside the 20, 17 times. In those 17 trips, they have been able to come away with 13 touchdowns and three field goals, only leaving one possession inside the 20 without a score. It's really impressive. That is a high touchdown percentage, and that's a really high scoring percentage. In fact, it's high enough for 14th in the country. So what does that mean? That means field position is very big. That means getting a turnover is very big because if you can give me that ball somewhere around the 30 or 25 of my opponent, I am going to score. And that's what BYU's done really well this year. Yeah, BYU 4-0 and over when winning the turnover battle and 4-0 and when winning the field position battle. Excellent. Time now for today's Hyatt Place Comfort Zone feature. At Hyatt Place Provo, your convenience and comfort will always be our highest priority. And let's follow up on Hans's red zone numbers that he mentioned a moment ago. BYU's averaging, averaging six points per red zone possession. TCU is at four points 
per red zone possession. The Horned Frogs are 16 for 24 inside the 20. That's a lot of scoring chances coming up empty. The only red zone misfire for BYU, hands you said 16 to 17, right? Yep. One miss is when Paul Miley snaps it over the head of Keaton Slovis. They lose 17 yards. Now they're outside the red zone. They miss a field goal, but it became the snap came from the nine. They ended up backing up, never made back the yards, and missed a longish field goal. But that's it. Every other time they've been in a position to score, they've done so. So they've been super opportunistic with the chances they get to put points on the board. They've been really good at it. And this is what makes them so tough to stop in the red zone. Keaton Slovis, it's almost like he cranks up his intelligence. He cranks up his vision. He cranks up his accuracy. Everything intensifies for Keaton Slovis once he gets inside the 20. He becomes a better, more accurate, more stable quarterback. You do have some big possession guys, and Isaac Rex is a nice big target. But Keaton Slovis, I think, is the cog that really turns those red zone gears once once they get in there. We're back with more of the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show live from Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas, right after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're listening to the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now, let's head live to the All-Pro Capital broadcast booth. Alongside Hans Olsen, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Getting you set for BYU and TCU here in Fort Worth on a beautiful day for football in the Metroplex. TCU coming off back-to-back losses leading into this one. Defeats at home to West Virginia and on the road at Iowa State. Two programs picked before the season to finish in the bottom tier of the Big 12. BYU's coming off a bye week, uh, hands. And in the Kalani Sitake era, BYU 2-3 and three in post-bye games against FBS opponents, leaving aside the COVID season when bye weeks were, uh, well, more sporadic and unscheduled. With some extra time off, BYU has made some changes on the offensive line. Will it affect the run game? Will those changes pay off? Of 130 FBS teams, BYU's 129th in rush yards per game and dead last, 130th in yards per carry. Hands on one hand, BYU is 4-1 with those rush numbers. On the other hand, they don't feel sustainable, those numbers. Well, this is the change that you talked about in the pregame. When you're taking Kingsley and you're putting Paul Miley at the left guard and Connor Pay at the center and Waylon Lapoahu at the right guard and you've got Braden Kime at the right tackle, you're expecting something different up front. You can't just change the personnel. You've got to change some of the scheme and some of the mindset. So I would expect that Coach Funk, the offensive line coach, I would expect that Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, went to this offensive front and they said, along with the personnel changes, let's try this a little bit different on the play side block. Let's try this a little bit different and better on the backside. So I'll bet they put extra time and focus and attention into getting some of that run blocking going. And then I just mentioned it, whether it's Miles Davis or LJ Martin or anybody else, you really got to get some guys going in that running back position. We'll see what happens today. Coming up, we'll head down to field level and check in with Mitchell Jurgens as this Ken Garth Cougar kickoff show continues after this live from Fort Worth, Texas on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Hans Olsen and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. 
BYU and TCU coming up in another 2.35 p.m. Central Time kick, 1.35 Mountain, 68 degrees sunny and a wind out of the north-northwest at 14 miles per hour here at Amon G. Carter Stadium. BYU's only other 2.35 Central game was the uh, Big 12 opening loss at Kansas. Over the last few seasons, BYU's had more success in night games than day games. We'll see if BYU can have some more sunshine success here this afternoon. Last season, TCU started uh, quarterback Chandler Morris. He went out injured early in the season. Max Duggan came in and led the Horn Frogs to the national title game. A return trip will not be in the cards in 2023, but Josh Hoover now gets to play the Max Duggan role. Hands, what can BYU expect from the redshirt freshman Josh Hoover? And what would you like to dial up if you were Jay Hill today? Well, he's all over the board. We've only seen him throw the ball 22 times. And in those 22 throws, we've seen two picks. So he's throwing the pick every now and then. You know, he's had another couple of interceptions that were dropped against Iowa State. He actually hit a couple of Iowa State defenders right in the hands, and they dropped another two picks. So he can be wildly inaccurate. He does not run, Greg. I know that Kalani was talking about seeing some of the same things from him and Chandler Morris, but... He doesn't run. He's minus 22 in rushing this year. So. On three rushes, which includes sacks, but still, yes. Which includes right. the, yeah, yep. the, the takeaways on the sacks. He doesn't get out of the pocket. He doesn't keep a lot. When they do call the RPOs, he is going to the P, not the R. He is constantly pulling that thing and trying to get to the pass, or he's giving off to it back. He does not like to keep. He does not like to get off the edge. So he's going to stay in the pocket. BYU's defense needs to be aggressive. But at the same time, you know, Greg, they've got a lot of very good receiving options. So you can get aggressive. I just would I would try to confuse them a little bit. Put some of that cloud coverage out there. Zone them out. See if you can get them to throw a pick your way. Let's bring in now former BYU wide receiver and Texas native Mitchell Jurgens in the Zions Bank end zone for 150 years of helping you succeed. Zions Bank is for you, Mitch. BYU playing its first game of the season in the Lone Star State, and the Cougs will get a steady diet of Texas trips in the years to come. Jay Hill thinks it's a big deal to be playing games in this state, rich in football talent today and moving forward. BYU's out to play both in front of passionate fans and recruits, and that that, that recruiting part's a big deal, Mitch. Yeah, Greg, you know, whether BYU's ready or not, they're going to have to get used to this atmosphere because the state of Texas will be a state they need to start feeling comfortable playing in because they'll be here a lot, and if If they want to be a Big 12 contender, you have to find a way to compete and win in the state of Texas. And to your point, what an opportunity to start grabbing the attention of these Texas high school recruits to show them what BYU football is all about. And as we've seen this season and in previous seasons for BYU, depth has always crept up to be a problem for the Cougars. They've always had a talented group of 22 projected starters, but as we know too well in the game of football, injuries will creep in. And part of having a really good football team year after year is not having to take a significant step backwards when having to rely on that next man up. Texas high school talent produces speed, size, athleticism, and that competitive edge that if the Cougs can start recruiting well, will add to their depth and help BYU be in contention for years to come. Good stuff, Mitch. Thank you. Coming up next, the coin toss, the opening kick. This has been the Ken Garf Cougar Kickoff Show live from Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.